Welcome to Word First Radio, the podcast of Word First Ministries. Tune in each week and join us as we pursue God's command to make disciples of all nations. What is up, you guys? Welcome to Word First Radio, the podcast brought to you by Word First Ministries. I am your host, Jacob O'Neill, and as always, I'm joined by my good friends, Cameron and Bailey. Hey. And we Ooh. have a new special guest today, yeah, Mr. Todd Moore. Come on. Can you hear us, Todd? Hello, hello. Yes, good to be here. Todd is uh, coming at us live from California, so we yeah. uh, had to uh, make some adjustments this week. That's why this episode looks different, but it's all good. Uh, it's a, about like every other social distance podcast you guys have been <laughs> watching for the last two years. Uh, well, to Bailey, be clear, Todd's not in California because he's afraid he's going to get sick if he comes here. It's just really expensive to fly out for like an hour to... <laughs> That's true. Sorry for uh, implying yeah. that, Todd. Listen, COVID uh, <laughs> gets a lot of blame. I don't think sh- I don't think we should put this on its back, too. Very well, <laughs> Bailey. Why don't you uh, pull this train into the station and uh, go ahead yeah. and start us off with prayer? Yeah, let's do that. God Almighty, thank you for um, just this opportunity that we have. I pray that um, it would be fruitful and that we would use it um, to learn to learn more about what it is that we came here to do. And, um, for everyone joining us in this conversation and listening, I pray that they would be encouraged and inspired and that they'd get new ideas from it. Um, and for Todd, I just pray you, um, give our brother clarity, um, help us not to be, um, you know, bothers to him, help us to be, um, friends with him and just to have a good conversation. Um, I'm so excited to talk about this today and I just pray that you would be with us in this conversation so that all of us would walk away, um, edified and knowing more. We love you. We pray this in Jesus name. Amen. 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 Uh, so Todd, how about, um, you help us get started real quick. Why don't you just tell, uh, the people back in California, uh, who you are, uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself, Todd. Yeah, so I, I live in San Diego, um, been here five years, lived uh, previously up in the Seattle area, and then before that in Europe. Um, long story there. Grew up in Illinois, though. Uh, my family's still back in central Illinois by Peoria. Um, mm. Went to school at Moody Bible Institute and Wheaton College. Yeah. I've um, got five kids and a great wife, and we've been doing missional things, I would say, for the past 25 plus years. So as I said, I was um, a missionary in Europe for 11 years, seven years in the Czech Republic mm-hmm. and four years in Romania. So lots of lots of history, lots of stories. Um, um, yeah, just great, great experience, great years in Europe. And um, I'm thankful I get to continue to work with leaders all over Europe. So I do that. I work with leaders in Europe some in South Africa, um, Australia, Japan, South America, and Chile, and Ecuador, and Colombia. So, um, Norway. Norway. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We've got, got a fun job, guys. I get to work with yeah. awesome leaders um, that love Jesus and are trying to further the kingdom. Um mm-hmm. So that's who I get to interact with every day. Guys like you. So 
Oh, well, I really appreciate that. We're going to get into uh, all of that. I really want to talk a lot about uh, what you do missionally. But if you could real quick, I really like to talk to Christians about this when we have them come on. Um, how did you come to meet Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Okay. Yeah. Um, back in Illinois, as I said, small mm-hmm. country church. And uh, my father was not a believer. Um mm-hmm. be- actually became a believer late in his life, um, but my mother was, um, and so she was the faithful saint in the family that took myself and my four older siblings mm. to this small country church uh, every Sunday, and it was filled with just a bunch of great people. So through that church, through a bunch of these people, um, yeah, I came to know Jesus when I was pretty young, eight years old, actually. And so at this little weekend, weekend camp getaway thing they were doing for youth. And Mm -hmm. so, um, but thankful for that small country church and small country churches like that around around the U.S. and around the world. Absolutely. Um, Faithful. Um, But uh, my four older siblings who are faithful Christ followers really had a big impact in that whole journey. Just um, watching them, listening to them, wanting to be like them. Mm-hmm. Um, so thankful for them. And um, yeah, thankful that Jesus changed my life at an early age. And um, uh, yeah, it's been been a pretty incredible journey. It definitely sounds like it. Uh, mm-hmm. Hearing about all these different places you've been to and places you've worked with. Um, so let's go ahead and just move right into that. Uh, last week, uh, we were talking about church planting, just me and the boys here. And we uh, ended that episode with uh, this kind of fact that the word in the biz, uh, the terminology <laughs> in the biz, oh apparently, is missional uh, you community. You said it again. So we were wondering, uh, what the heck is missional community? Uh, if you could just speak into that for us. Um, what is missional community and what sets it apart from other church planting models? Okay. What sets it apart? I mean, so again, yeah, I've worked around the world with a lot of church plants, church planters. Um, traditionally, and again, I'm going to do some pretty broad sweeping yeah, statements yeah, sure. here. So keep that mm. in mind. Mm. Um, But um, traditionally, a lot of denominations, a lot of networks have planted a – have planted a group of people into a location, but it's usually connected with a building or a facility. Mm -hmm. It's usually connected with some type of initial program Mm -hmm. where they are inviting people to the location and to the program. Yeah. Missional community is kind of the opposite of that, <laughs> where we're saying um, most people are not going to likely come to a location mm-hmm. or come to a program, at least initially. We're going to have to go to them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what a missional mm-hmm. community is. is a community of people that are committed to each other, committed to Jesus, and committed to going. Mm-hmm. So basically going to the places where lost people are. That means we're going out into the neighborhood, we're going into schools, we're going to parks, we're going to sports places, we're going to where lost people spend their time so mm-hmm. that we can get to know them, become friends with them, as Jesus told us, become friends of sinners. Mm-hmm. 
But mm-hmm. but so the big difference to come back to your question is the is the going the going out to where lost people are, not expecting those lost people to come to us, to come into our building, to come into our program. Very, very cool. So what um led you to that kind of church planting model? How did you first get involved in that and what attracted you about that kind of model? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. Not surprisingly living in Europe. (laughs) And so (laughs) Europe is a very non-Christian, post-Christian, however Mm -hmm. you want to describe it. Um, I was talking with a leader in the UK a couple days ago, Southern England, and basically 95% of people in the UK, he said, are not coming to church, going to church, going to step foot in a church, 95%. And so when I was living in the Czech Republic, though, even worse, it's less than 1% Christian. So 99% highly atheist, agnostic, um, whatever form, you know, takes a lot of different forms. But um, 99% of them are not going to step foot in a church building, in a church program. I lived in Romania probably about 97% of people there are not going to step foot um, in a program, in an event, in a building. And so, man, after living there for years, seeing what wasn't working, Mm. (laughs) program, you know, big programs at the building, but what was working, what was fruitful, going out, building relationship out in everyday life, Mm-hmm. at schools, at parks, around sports stuff. Um, it just became very clear, like, if we're going to reach the majority of people in these countries, yeah. it's got to be a going strategy, right. which is just, that's what missional, the word missional just means you act like a missionary, think like a missionary, <laughs> pray like a missionary, but every, every day, like everywhere you go, you've got that posture of thinking like a missionary. So missional mm-hmm. is just a form of that. So so we try to help encourage churches to say, how do you equip not just the leaders, okay? Because this isn't just a top, top leadership thing. We want to see every Christian, every Christ follower believe that and live that way. Mm, yeah. Believe that they are missionaries. Your average yeah. Christian, that they are missionaries every day right. when they go to work, they go to school, they go for a walk, mm-hmm. they go to the park, they walk the dog, they go to the market, they go get a coffee. They are missionaries. The area around them is mission field. Mm-hmm. The lost people in front of them are the mission. They are lost, yeah. separated from God, and they have an opportunity, and I believe a responsibility biblically. Yeah, to yeah. Mm-hmm. to demonstrate and proclaim Jesus to the lost people in front of them. Man, I I love that. If you don't mind me interjecting, that I, we talk. So we've talked, uh, Todd, without you a lot about that. So since you and I, I mean, you and I have had several conversations and spent some time together. And then I just get electrified and I come and talk to the boys because we know that we're coming to Norway. Mm. And we have this, um, we have sort of an advantage in the United States, and that is that people are more or less used to the template. So inviting a friend to church, it's a little bit weird, but it's not that weird. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's something that more or less, the the um, there's sort of a persistence of vision of that church thing. Like we all know what it's, we all know what it is, and it's um, it's not that foreign. 
Yeah. But then the wonder is how do we how how do we become missionaries? How are we how are we effective in a European context? So we have people at home asking us, um, sort of. I'd say obviously or understandably questions about what what does your church look like? Do you have a do you have a building yet? Do you guys have your and they fill it in with the template that we're used to, and it's hard to um, not come across as though we're we're criticizing that model or format of church. We are, we are not at all. We all come from and love uh, that church and our our sending church is Orchard in in Temecula where we have all been on staff. So I want to be clear that there's, I don't criticize or we don't criticize that at all, but it's not appropriate mm-hmm. for every context. And yep. when we discuss amongst ourselves, like what really, what really sort of animates and moves our hearts, it's exactly this, the things that you talked about, like teaching people. So beginning with us, but with a, I didn't mean to say teaching people, but maybe influencing or leading people to be missionaries through the course of their natural, mm-hmm. ordinary paces and rhythms of, um, uh, of regular life. And I mean, if we've had that conversation with um, sort of denominational leaders and church leaders out here too, you know, they have the same here. I'm learning a, a similar problem that we have in the U S where young people graduate from high school and then never come back to church. And so the question, when we phrase it in terms of how do we reach them in terms of program, we get kind of a pessimistic answer, but then when we can maybe encourage people to be missionaries to your young people, all right, old folks, me and everyone older as, as old people, how do we treat our youth uh, in terms of that being a mission that that we are on, and how do we live with and among them? So I think even that, just the change of perspective about being committed to mission when you walk your dog and when you get your coffee and when you take your kids to the park and when you go to the gym, and the idea is that our lives are missional, not not only our Sundays, or that missionaries aren't super Christians. Like that's all of us, and some of us are called to go to go far, far away. Um, but nevertheless, I think every Christian ought to consider him or herself a missionary in their community or in the community that God has called them to. Yeah. Yeah. Great comments. Let me clarify a few things too, because I don't want people to hear that there's some, we're anti, anti yeah, yeah, yeah. building or anti Sunday. <laughs> it's not that at all. Sure. So mm-hmm. I work with a lot of churches and most of them meet every single Sunday morning. Yeah. <laughs> they do normal Sunday morning in a normal place, in a normal way, as you would expect, yeah. okay? So, but this is a big point for our conversation. It's not the primary thing. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. That's, again, back to your question, Jake, uh, what, what's different about missional community church planting or missional community structured church? Yeah. Sunday is still good. Sunday is still <laughs> essential. Yeah, we still do it. It's just not the primary thing, the thing where mm-hmm. most of our energy goes to, which is the case in a lot of churches. Like sure. Sunday, Sunday dominates the money right. that goes into it, the man hours that goes into pulling it off. Like mm-hmm. I believe you can still do Sunday well yeah. and Sunday in a way that is God honoring, much simpler yeah. <laughs> and much much mm-hmm. cheaper. And I, I know it because I work with churches around the world that do it. So um, I've got proof. But yeah. uh, <laughs> so, so Sundays are good. Sundays are essential, but they're just one moment in a week. I mean, mm-hmm. think of how many sure. other hours are in a week. Think of how many other relationships people have. So to what something you were saying there, Cam, one of the things that really makes me sad is, you know, in this whole conversation is that many Christians, I don't know, probably most Christians, they go to work every day somewhere. Mm-hmm. Okay. Eight or nine hours they go to work yeah. or they go to school. 
four, right. six, eight hours. So they're going to work, mm-hmm. they're going to school, they're going to play, work out, get groceries, mm-hmm. get a coffee. They're going to all these places for many hours every single day. And there are lost people right in front of them. Yeah. There are lost people that God wants them to influence. Mm-hmm. God wants them to encourage. God wants them to bless. God wants them to speak life into. There's mm-hmm. a lot of sad, lonely, discouraged, depressed, fearful people out there more than ever with this yeah. COVID thing going on. Yeah. Man, we're supposed to be be truth tellers and encouragers and life givers mm-hmm. and blessing, you know, tangibly blessing, hurting um, needy people around us, not as a program, not as an event, not occasionally. Mm. See, this is where the Sunday thing, where we struggle when Sunday becomes too prominent, mm. is that our our influence in the lives of non-Christians becomes occasional. Yeah, if you can mm-hmm. get them over the past the threshold of the door. Right. If you can get yeah. them into your orbit, then you maybe you have some influence. Versus I go to this office every day or I go to the hospital where I'm a nurse every day or I go to the school where I'm a teacher every day or I go to the shop where I'm a mechanic every day and I've got lost people, many, that I'm in contact with for hours Mm -hmm. every day. Mm -hmm. So if we don't have this posture of missional and missionary and everyday life, then we compartmentalize and it's like, oh, I'm just doing my job and then I'll go home. Yeah, I don't, I don't feel this need to love those people, serve those people, get to know their story, find out where the brokenness in their life is, find out where the source of their unbelief is. Like, why don't they go to church? Why aren't they connected with the church? Why don't they love Jesus? Why there's something back in their story that took them away from the good news, yeah. that stole the good yeah. news. There's mm. something in their story. So as we go to work, as we go to the park, as we go to work out, as we go to the coffee shop, we need to be those people that are digging into people's stories to find out the source of the unbelief mm. so that the good news can be spoken in um, um, to their story, not yeah. just a generic mm. gospel. Part of the problem with a lot of churches and a lot of Christians and our evangelistic approaches. Hear this, yeah, the, the, the gospel is so amazing that even a generic gospel is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. so again, don't sure. hear that. But imagine yeah. if we could equip the people in our churches to be speakers of the good news about Jesus and his hope and his healing and his restoration, his redemption, but we could speak it specifically, uniquely into Mm -hmm. the broken parts of a person's story. Yeah. 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 So I think we have a tendency to sort of depersonalize the gospel as though Jesus came and uh, all that he did in kind of for the sake of humanity or something. But I'm persuaded that uh, because God knows all knows all of the things that can be known, that Jesus came and did that for each of us individually. He he counted the cost and he knew the price. And the God of the universe sacrificed His Son after having weighed the consequence and the price of having done so. So the gospel ought to absolutely be personal, 
it, it because it is personal. Like Jesus didn't die for humanity. He died for Todd and Jacob and Cam and Bailey and everyone else who's everyone in Norway whose names we can't say. Like good. Good. <laughs> so uh, and good yeah. and to to redeem and to restore each of those unique personal stories. Right. Yeah, because God didn't see That's what's so beautiful about it. So you think of the average person in Norway who is not a Christ follower. Again, there are parts of their story that are broken. Their Mm -hmm. parents separated. Their mom died of cancer. Their dad's an alcoholic. They were abused as a teenager who just all of those things are parts of people's lives and people's Mm -hmm. stories whether it's in the U.S. or Norway or Chile or, you know, mm-hmm. South Africa, yeah. same universally around the world. So our churches need to become better at, again, um, loving the non-Christians God has placed in front of us in such a way that we know their story in a deep enough way so we can bring the good news to them in, in a more personal way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That just makes me think of, um, like if those, um, stories that you, um, mentioned, if those people were to attend a Sunday service and listen to the gospel preached generically, um, then they have to do the work of, or the Holy Spirit has to do the work of connecting their own story with the gospel. Mm -hmm. But I just love that picture of Christians knowing people and being able to relate the gospel to their whole life. And that, yeah. Love it. Yeah. I'm excited. <laughs> love, love how you said that, Bailey. Um, rather than, again, like you said, and again, the Holy Spirit's powerful, and he does do that sometimes. Mm. But I think Jesus' example <laughs> and the early church's example and Paul's example and Paul's commands show us that that's work we're supposed to be doing. Yeah, we're we're supposed to be helping people connect those dots, not just they show up, they hear a generic gospel, and then they have to be like, oh, what does that mean for my life, my relationships, Mm. my, but that we get to journey with them. Again, you already heard me mention it, but um, I think a big lost, (laughs) I don't know, a big lost principle or um, in all of this is, is us becoming friends of sinners. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of Christians and a lot of churches, if they're motivated to do something with lost people, they become acquaintances with sinners. Yeah. Which isn't bad. Again, don't hear bad, but it's just limited. When mm-hmm. you become an acquaintance yeah. with a lost person, there's not much trust there. <clears throat> yeah. Maybe you, you know, you spend some time with them, you have a meal with them, you know a bit about them, but it's not consistent enough, it's not deep enough that you are considered a trusted friend in their mind. Well, when somebody Mm. has big questions about life, who do they go to? They don't go to Mm. acquaintances, Mm. usually. Right. They're going to go, they're going to go to friends that they trust. Like I trust Jacob because he knows my life. We are journeying together. We spend time together. We eat meals together. We, you know, do these things together. He knows my family story. I know his family story. So man, I've got this problem, this issue, this big life question now. 
Jacob's going to be one of the first people I go to. Hmm. Difference between well, what it really sounds like and trusted friend. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, really, what it sounds like um, is something we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, where Christians ought to be like in a continual state of evangelism, like when they go to the gym, when they go to a coffee shop, when they go to work, um, and that's beautiful. I really love that personal touch. I really love that focus of like, we're on mission. Um, cause that's the mission of the church is what we, what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks is that Jesus gave us a mission and that mission involves people. That mission involves uh, boldness, right? Cause it's, it's awkward to share the gospel sometimes, but it involves people and people have stories and people, uh, they're, they're not, um, I heard someone say this, uh, but people are not projects, so if you don't actually care about people, mm. just shut up. <laughs> you know what I mean? We actually have to care about people and uh, focus Good. on them. And so I, I really love what we're Good. saying. Uh, okay. And to that point, yeah, please. Um, maybe you were going to ask this, but another big piece of this now. So I think we're understanding mission, mission living. We're all missionaries, everyday life, everywhere we go. I think we're getting that so far. But yep. a big piece here, again, with a missional community and planting a church like this is that we do it together. Mm-hmm. So we're not individual missionaries. We're a, like a team of missionaries. But as a church grows, then it has many teams of missionaries. That's what a missional community is. Uh, we like to say a family of missionaries, a family on mission, because that's a big mm. biblical um, uh reality is that we are the family of God sent on the mission of God. So first of all, we form ourselves as a community that looks like family. So what's family look like? It it loves, it serves, it sacrifices, spends time together, eats meals together, throws parties together, uh, works together. Um, so it's a good family, healthy family that goes on mission together. Why is that so critical? Because most non-Christians need to be loved by multiple people mm-hmm. at the same time, not just one or two. There was actually some research yeah. done that I've talked about for years, and um, I don't know where it came from, but I know it's it's, it's it was true, mm-hmm. <laughs> legit research, okay? But it came from like 25 years ago, but I anecdotally know it's true because I talk about it all the, around the world all the time. But the average sure. non-Christian – whether it's U.S., again, um, somewhere in Europe, somewhere in South America, the average non-Christian is going to need to become friends with 5.3 Christians <laughs> in their journey to Jesus. Wow. Hmm. Whether it's yeah, 5. You- point, whether it's 5.3 or 4.7 or 6.2, it doesn't matter. The yeah. principle is, and I <laughs> yeah. fully believe it's true, mm. it's that mm. – most non-Christians are going to need to become friends with a community of Christ followers, a missional yeah. community, mm-hmm. because they need to watch the life of more than one person. They need to be able to ask questions and see it worked out in the life of more than one person. So the average non-Christian in Norway, as amazing as each of you might be individually, that's not going to get it done. Yeah. <laughs> you go out, you hit the streets, you hit the campus, you hit the coffee shops as a bunch of individual missionaries. It's not going to be very fruitful. Please yeah. don't do that 
in the months to come. Okay? Yes. <laughs> yeah. You need to surround the non-Christians that you're building relationship. You need to surround them with a loving community, mm-hmm. a generous, hospitable community, a serving, blessing community. Because the average Norwegian non-Christian is going to need to be influenced by at least 5.3 of you. So mm. you guys determine yeah. who the point three is. <laughs> but 5.3 of you consistently coming around them. And when you talk, I ask, I've asked hundreds of people about their testimony, their journey to Jesus through the years. Every time, every time what I've heard is, yep, I had this conversation with this Christian, and then this Christian came into my life, had this experience, this conversation, then another one, then another one, then another one. Mm-hmm. And God stringing together multiple relationships and multiple conversations in the journey of that person. Right? Yeah. 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 You've all you've seen it, you've seen mm-hmm. it over and over and over as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, I mean, yeah, that just co- speaks to Go ahead, Cameron. I'm going to actually, I'm going to stop because it's someone that we might have on eventually, but I, we spoke to one of our Christian friends in Oslo last week and his story was, was like that grew up in a Christian household, uh, came to stop believing when he was in middle school and it was community that drew him back into, into the family of God. Well, what it sounds like to me is, is really just the genius of God to like put a church here to do that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, it's Mm -hmm. just like, yeah. When we hear like, you know, in practice, like these are the results the people get saved when they are um, come in contact with community and of course the gospel and faithful Christians and all that. But I mean, like, it, it's like, of course, it's like, it's like, duh, yeah. like Jesus gave us a church. He gave us a community. He gave us the truth and uh, a mission. And I and he think gave us uh, a ministry of, of reconciliation and called us his body. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. So, uh, Cam kind of said earlier. Actually, you both you both touched on this earlier. But so, where we come from, especially where I come from in the United States, I am a hundred percent totally used to kind of the regular church model that we've been talking mm-hmm. about. I didn't even know what missional community was uh, for the longest time until Cam mentioned it uh, at some point. So, uh, what would you say, Todd, uh, to people who are skeptical? of missional community or who, who might think like, yeah, I, I, I like that. I like what you're, what you're saying. It sounds really uh, Christian-y, but I, I like my Sunday, I like my Sunday <laughs> services. I like my churches. What would you say to someone who's skeptical that missional community could work? Yeah. I mean, so yeah, you have to, again, say, where's the skepticism coming from? I mean, in terms of it, proving itself like Mm -hmm. it has proven itself historically across the world. If you look at where the church is growing the fastest today in Asia, in China, in the Middle East, Mm. it's missional community. Mm. In most of those (laughs) places, it has to be, which is awesome. Again, you talk about God's Mm. design in it all. How do you think the church is growing like crazily in Iran? Yeah. Mm. True. Little. Faithful communities of people coming around, <laughs> coming around their Muslim, <laughs> non-believing friends and family, and introducing them to Jesus. It's a missional mm-hmm. community. China, you know the stories. Mm-hmm. It's a missional community. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Vietnam. I mean, you go, you go to these places. Um, you've heard, you've heard the stories. So, the fruit 
fully, fully supports the model, if you want to say it like that. But biblically, I have no problem 100% saying I believe what we see Jesus doing throughout the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, three and a half years, however long you believe it was, um, was a missional community. Mm -hmm. So when people say like, okay, tell me again what it is. Okay, you remember Jesus? And the disciples, remember they were together, they were going together, they were going to villages together, Mm -hmm. they were going to the lake together, they were going to Matthew's house together. It's that. Mm -hmm. And so missional community is that. So it's Jesus with the disciples going, coming around people, loving them well, serving them well, healing them, proclaiming the kingdom. It's that. Okay, we move to the book of Acts. Okay, is missional community biblical? What's the book of Acts? It's missional community living. Okay? Yes, they met at the temple court. So, again, we're not Mm -hmm. (laughs) anti-Sunday. Okay? There's a place for big corporate gatherings. But what does Acts tell us they did primarily? House to house. Mm -hmm. Every day. It says every day. Every day. Let me say it again. Every day they (laughs) met together. They lived life together. They were a supportive family of each other. And that powerful family came around unbelieving people and introduced them to this Jesus. Yeah. So mm. biblically, I think it's crystal clear. Historically, you look throughout church history, it's, it's actually cool. I did a lot of work on this when I was in school. Um, not surprising. Throughout early <laughs> centuries, middle centuries, the Moravians, we get to um, – uh, you know, we get to some of the uh, some of the big names throughout church history. What what were they doing? They were doing missional community like stuff. Mm. Mm. Consistent, generous, hospitable communities of people coming around lost people, introducing them to Jesus, serving mm. physical needs, tangible needs. Okay, that's always been a part of it. A generous people. Mm-hmm. but in the everyday stuff of life. And so yeah. you see it biblically, you see it historically throughout church history, you see it currently across the globe, again, places I mentioned. And so I, I don't think there's any, I don't think there's any place for, for skepticism. Yeah. But for those, I mean, I work with a lot of existing churches. I work with mm-hmm. a lot of big churches, a lot of mega churches yeah. also. Mm-hmm. And so I, I know where your question is coming from. Yeah. And so yeah. I say, you don't have to deconstruct the whole thing. Because, again, Sunday's good and some of the programming yeah. you're doing is good. I'm not anti, like, kids ministry or something like that. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We don't have to throw it all away. But I'm just saying we do need to properly proportion. It's a good way to say it. We yeah. do, do yeah. need to properly proportion the things we do at the church and the programs we do at the church and the things we do out in the world in everyday mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, – so one of the ways that we talk about it is there's a, a common evangelistic strategy at church seems to be uh, – like I call it the vacuum cleaner model. So what we do is we intend to draw as many people into our programs as we can on Sunday and then we let the pastor do the evangelizing. And now he's got an undoable job because he's trying to equip saints for the for going for living on mission, 
and evangelizing unbelievers who have and no follow hope. up and, and fo- right. So now he's got an impossible job to do, and we've put all of our energy in drawing people into church. Invite your friends to church. Of course, inviting your friends to church is a lovely and wonderful thing to do. But when we talk about what really what really excites us and what we want to be doing, it's not spending our energy drawing people into church, but for church being more like a slingshot. This is a, the place where we are energized to go into the world and be effective there. It's great. Well, let, let me let me bring another perspective into it too. Let's just um, so that there's a lot of good programmatic, big building churches out there. Okay, yeah. let's just let them be. Mm-hmm. Okay, let them keep doing their their good thing. Okay. Yeah. Mm. So, but let's be again. Let's go back to what we said at the beginning of this conversation. And say, as amazing as some of those programs might be, as amazing as some of those buildings might be, we've got to be honest. Even in America, it's only going to touch. It's only going to touch twenty five percent of the people. Mm. Who's mm. going to plant churches that are going to reach the other seventy five percent? In Norway, yeah. it's even more. It's, yeah. Start like, okay, there's, there's churches like we're describing big building, nice building, good program, Awana, women's Mm -hmm. ministry. They got all that. Great. Keep going. Keep doing your thing. You're probably not going to deconstruct all that and sell the building. Okay. Okay? (laughs) So keep going, but we need to plant a whole lot of churches throughout Norway and all these Mm -hmm. other countries that are going to reach the other, what did we say in Norway? 90%. At, well, at least, yeah. Um, yeah, at least. It's hard, it's hard to know exactly, but 90% would be a very generous estimate. They're not going to be reached if we don't go. UK, yeah. 95%. Not going to be reached if we don't go. Czech yeah. Republic, 99%. They're not going to be reached mm-hmm. if we don't go. Romania, 97%. They're not going to be reached if we don't go. Yeah, and it's it seems to me a kind of a non sequitur that we would come all the way from California to Norway. And then stop and not go the rest of the way to actually connecting with people. Like we get here, stop and say, okay, let's build a vacuum cleaner and suck them into, suck them into our location or something like that. Yeah. Right. So just to cast a little vision for you and Cam, you and I have talked about this, but to dream forward to say, what if you could see an increasing number of these small communities of 8 to 10, 12 people that still come together mm-hmm. on Sundays, mm-hmm. <laughs> gather, they, they encourage, they worship, they pray, so... Not doing away with that, but the rest of the week, they're scattered around Oslo, and they're scattered around Bergen, and they're scattered around these different small towns in Norway. Mm-hmm. But these small communities of people that are committed to each other, like yeah. family, supporting each yeah. other, investing in each other, speaking the gospel to each other like family, but then they go together as these powerful little teams, communities, families to come around hurting, lonely, broken, lost people that God has placed in their midst. Yeah. Yeah. uh, I'll tell you what I think right now. That sounds amazing. (laughs) Uh, That uh, uh, vision of going out, planting churches that just uh, are really missionally focused. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure as you and Cameron have talked about, and as, of, uh, as we've talked about on here, uh, we are uh, 
obviously highly attracted to that kind of model. So if we were going to go plant a church uh, like that, or if we were going to come here to Norway with that mindset, which we have, but what would, (laughs) (laughs) what would be uh, your advice in the, in the early stages? uh, What would be your advice for us to get started in the very early stages? Yep. Well, the good news is this isn't complicated. Yeah. Good. Oh, thank God. <laughs> it's not complicated and it's not expensive. So that no, should be good news. That's even double good news. That is the goodest news. Don't need a lot of equipment. Don't need a lot of building. Okay. But it is, as you said, when you've come out of, say, more traditional programmatic backgrounds, it is a reorientation of living. Mm-hmm where relationship is the dominant thing. Where relationship, that's where you spend most of your time. Not putting together meetings and programs and events and cleaning a building and putting up the lights. And, you know, most of your time is not going to that stuff. Most of your time is going out in everyday life, becoming friends of sinners Mm -hmm. and doing it together. So, Jacob, Mm -hmm. so, so... a little more specifically, you've got to clarify, okay, so who is our who is our family? Who mm-hmm. is our core group of people that are committed to that? We gotta identify yeah. that. Who's who feels called to live like this together? Okay. Mm-hmm. To live like family together. Okay. So let's clarify who that is. Okay. Then we need to pray and we need to ask God who is the mission. Because man, you're living you're in big cities that have mm-hmm. Tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, million people. Yeah. You can't go after all that. You can't be effective to all that. You've got to pray and ask God, where is the good soil? Mm-hmm. Who are the people? Where are the people that you want us to become friends of sinners with? Mm-hmm. So in our neighborhood, who is our people? At the park, we're playing, we're playing volleyball every Friday. Who are those people? working out at that gym, who are the two people at the gym? So together as a community, you're praying and discerning who is the mission, who is the mm-hmm. good soil we're going to mm-hmm. invest much of our time in. Yeah, Not just randomly, but again, you've prayed, you've discerned together. Like we believe God's calling us to these 15, 20 lost people. And man, for the next year, we're going to give our best life to those people. Mm. And mm. Todd, do you mean specifically? So you mean like Steve and Judy and Nancy and Lewis Name, and absolutely yeah. names and faces. Were you mm. exactly? And of course, they're going to have Norwegian names. Not <laughs> yeah. I didn't say them, so I wasn't. <laughs> I wanted to hear. I wanted to hear some Norwegian names come out no. of your mouth. <laughs> yeah. like, I got like, you covered. Uh. <laughs> okay, so so clarifying who is the family. Yeah. Who's going to live this way together? Then clarifying the mission, then basically saying, okay, what is a sustainable plan? When are we going to eat meals together? Mm-hmm. When are mm-hmm. we going to invite lost people into those meals? When are we going to go to the park together and play volleyball with those lost people? Yeah. When are we going to go and invite those lost people to a coffee? When are we going to do a game night? When are we going to do a movie night? When are we going to go watch some soccer together? When are we going to go? So it's got to be put together in a sustainable plan. Mm. I 
believe churches I work with, I help them work on 30-day plans. Mm-hmm. It's basically mm-hmm. a 30-day missional plan, sustainable plan that fits the context because so many times I work with churches that want to do these things, have good mm-hmm. intentions to do these things, but never end up doing these things Sure, because they don't mm-hmm. have a plan. Literally, right. you've got to have these these moments locked into your schedule because you know yeah. how it is. Life's busy. Yeah, yeah. You fill it with mm-hmm. stuff very quickly and yep. you've, you've got to fill it with the right stuff. You got to mm-hmm. fill it with the community becoming better family and then the community becoming a family on mission. So yeah. your calendar needs to be filled with those types of things locked into them. Mm-hmm. So like right now with my community here, like we've got Sunday nights locked in. Mm. So people protect that. They don't fill up Sunday nights with 10 other things. Mm -hmm. It's like, Mm, no, Sunday nights is usually going to be either family or mission or a combination of family and mission. Mm -hmm. Right. We're Mm going to be together with our community. We're going to eat a meal together. We're going to go to the park together. We're going to do a game night together or we're going to – but Sunday nights from 5 to 8 p.m. is one of our windows that we are – it's just locked into our calendar. Yeah. Mm. But you've got to – again, you've got to have multiple things locked into your calendar. Or again, mm. mission and living life this way just becomes a few occasional experiences. Mm. You will not become friends with sinners that way. Yeah. Mm. Gotcha. Especially in a place like Norway. Mm-hmm. I would assume yeah, they, don't make, they don't make friends anyways. It's it's hard to make a friend here. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. A little slower. They're a little mm-hmm. more careful. It's like yeah. when I lived in the Czech Republic. So if you only see them once a month, eat a meal with them once a month, hang out with them once a month, you're not going to become friends with them or yeah. it's going to take like five years versus yeah. <laughs> saying, no, we're going to have multiple, we're going to have multiple points of contact during the week. We're going to yeah. check in through text time or two during the week. Invite them for a coffee, go to the park, have a meal, have dessert, organize a game night. We're going to have a few points of contact literally every week, mm-hmm. even if it's just an opportunity to invite them and they say no. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I'm a strong believer that if we are consistent in our inviting into relational experience, that um, even the invitation, there's some, there's some influence there. Mm. There's some care yeah. there because you cared enough to be thoughtful enough to take the time to say, to reach out to them. Yeah. Say, Hey, we're, we're doing mm. this. We're doing this thing on Friday night. Do you want to come to that? No, you can't. Okay, great. Uh, we'll check in again early next week. See if yeah. you can come, see if you can come to the next thing. Yeah, or, mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So kind of on the flip side of that, what, besides not doing any of those things that you just said, <laughs> what would be some mistakes that we are to avoid in the, and we're thinking really, really early stage here, kind of like the things that you just talked about, uh, uh, that should be our areas of focus. What should be some areas we should avoid or mistakes that we should avoid? Again, I think I've already al- probably alluded to the big ones but let me name them. So again, getting distracted and Mm -hmm. having other things become primary. Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. You can get in, you 
pull this team together and you start having a lot of meetings. Yeah. <laughs> Not a big fan of meetings. <laughs> I don't think church, I don't think churches need a lot of meetings. I don't think leadership teams need a lot of meetings. I think yeah. you need a few meetings and then you communicate in between time through, through text, through short, through short interactions. Mm-hmm. But I see leadership teams have these, you know, two hour meetings and then they had, they had to travel there and they had to do the two hour meeting and then they had to go home from there and then they're exhausted from it. And mm-hmm. it just killed that whole window of time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Versus let's have a few shorter meetings communicating the in between times. We'll cover everything we need to. So mm-hmm. that's one thing, Jacob. Again, second thing is that we're spending our Again, spending our time doing things other than becoming friends of sinners. Mm. I think from Jesus' example, I think from his commands, seems like that needs to be most of our time. Sure. Mm-hmm. So, I, so I actually, I'll throw this out there. I talk with a lot of existing churches about this 80-20 principle. Mm. That the church has gotten flipped in the wrong direction. Where a lot of existing churches spend 80% of their time on meetings and programs and structure and buildings and 20% of the time out there with lost people making sure. disciples, like go and make disciples. Right. 20, you should write that down. That's good. 80% of the time in the structure, 20% of the time in the going, it's supposed to be flipped. Yeah. Supposed to be twenty percent of our time, like maintaining the thing, the the community, the body, the church. Twenty percent of the time doing that work. Eighty percent of the time out on the mission, mm-hmm. go and make disciples. Yeah. We got to get it flipped. So, and then That's so good. And then I would again. You, I alluded to this, but I see a lot of groups who don't clarify mission mm. clear enough mm-hmm. cam sure. you said it specific enough names yeah like mm. but again i i wish i could throw out some norwegian names quick <laughs> okay <laughs> but these people we believe god is sending us to this next six nine twelve months yeah, yeah. we're clear on it yeah. So everything we do, everything we pray, everything we organize is oriented around those people. Mm-hmm. It's not this scatter the seed to the wind, right? <laughs> you know, in our city of one million. Mm-hmm. Because you know what happens? You get to the mm-hmm. end of the year and it's like, what did we do? Right. Like, mm-hmm. what progress did we make? Yeah. Who became a Christian? What progress did we make? What deep spiritual conversations did we have? Not so much versus saying, man, we committed to these 15 to 20 people this year, just this one missional community. And I believe in missional community, just one as capacity for that. So you can imagine you get Mm -hmm. two and then three and then four and then five missional communities. They start having exponential multiplicative effect, but deep deep into the lives of non-Christians. So you get to the end of the year and it's like, man, these 15 to 20, we were trusted friends with every single one of them. Yeah. Mm. Wouldn't that be beautiful? You could get to the end of 2022. 
say we are deep trusted friends with them because we've ate, we've eaten 13 meals with them and been at six mm-hmm. parties with them and gone to the park seven times with them mm-hmm. and yeah. mm-hmm. played volleyball three times. You get to the end of the year and it's like we spent a lot of time. We had rich, deep relationship. We know their stories. They know we're deep. They know we're committed Christians. They're still not believing, mm-hmm. but that's okay. They love us. They trust us. They want to spend more time with us. They still do not yet believe. But man, we've had some awesome conversations about Jesus. Yeah. My wife and I have this this friend, perfect example of this, just to for you to imagine a year from now, two years from now. We had a friend, Katka, in the Czech Republic. That's her story. Mm. Us living life like this with her. Yeah. First year goes by, she loved us, she trusted us, but she, she would tell us to our face, don't believe a thing you believe, <laughs> spiritually. Isn't that cool, though, that yeah. she yeah. felt yeah. safe to tell us that? She was like, right. love you guys, mm-hmm. want to spend more time with you guys. I actually want to keep talking about these things I don't believe. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> year two, just more, more meals, more parties, more conversations, a little deeper into Katka's journey. End of the story, God breaks in. A lot of meals, a lot of parties, lots of conversations with Katka. And he breaks in, changes her heart, changes her mind, changes Katka forever. Mm. Yeah. Almost brings me chills thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Mm. She's been journeying with Jesus now faithfully in a hard Czech Republic, one of the hardest yeah. in the world. Yeah. One of the top five most atheistic countries in the world. Katka was one of those. She was part of that stat. Mm -hmm. She was one of those atheists. For the last 15 years, she's been faithfully following Jesus. Married a faithful Jesus follower. Mm -hmm. Raising her two boys to faithfully follow Jesus. Wow. What did it take? It just took a community coming around the Katkas. And actually, I've got actually hundreds of stories like that from the Czech Republic, <laughs> not just one or two with Katka. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that can happen in Norway. Yeah. That can Absolutely. happen in Norway if you will commit as missional communities to faithfully become friends of sinners, pray like crazy, ask God to break into their stories maybe sooner than Katka's. Okay? It was four years for her. But I've seen it happen in six months. We had some of the some of my closest Czech friends are now top leaders in the entire country. Wow. They were 18-year-old, 20-year-old punks. <laughs> Atheists, antagonists. They would mm-hmm. come to some of our some of some of the things we were doing and kind of like try to derail it, mm-hmm. you know? Try to create problems. Loved them consistent, became friends of sinners with them. God broke in, changed their hearts, changed their lives. These guys are leading like denominations in the Czech Republic. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that's all incredible. That's all very inspiring, very encouraging and uh, absolutely incredible. So Todd, um, 
uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up here for uh, for tonight. Uh, we really appreciate you mm-hmm. uh, taking yes, the time you. to come on this call with us. If people want to learn more about you or missional community and what you're up to, uh, where can they go look? Yeah. So a couple of years ago, again, I've been doing this for a lot of years. A couple of years ago, I tried to distill a lot of it and make it even simpler than I had previously. I actually mm-hmm. don't think it's probably simple enough, maybe. <laughs> but um, created a platform, a site called Missional Made Simple. Mm-hmm. So yep. if you go to www.missionalmadesimple.com, mm-hmm. you will find some pretty simple resources. Yeah some short one to two minute videos that help really just explain what we're talking about on this call. Um, So it's basically tools to put in the hands of normal people to help them live this way in their everyday lives. So I use those tools with leaders, with churches, with countries around the world. Um, Some of the resources are translated into like 12 different languages on the site under the Mm -hmm. international tab. Nothing in awesome. Norwegian yet. That's up to <laughs> we'll you guys. Get there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> up to you guys. Get the Norwegian on there. Yeah. But um, but there's the yeah the church around the world is um, there's there's good stuff happening and yeah. stuffs stuffs progressing in a more missional direction, which mm. I believe is necessary again to to be able to reach the majority population that um, is still, is still far from God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's so good. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for taking the Thank time. You. Thank you. Thanks for sharing your wisdom with Fun us. With you we're guys. Not done. Yeah. We're definitely <laughs> yeah. going to burden you a lot. Oh yeah. Yeah. We will. Yeah. You'll hear from us. Absolutely. Great. Awesome. Being, with, being with people that are hungry and motivated to, to live this way. Um, like, um, it energizes me. So feel free to yes. reach out. I'm available um, anytime. Awesome. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you, Todd. Well, thank you guys for watching. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed uh, talking with Todd as much as I did, as much as the team did. Uh, please check out Todd's website to learn more about uh, what he's up to and missional community. And we hope you tune in next week. God bless. Thank you so much for listening to Word First Radio. If you like the podcast, please like, share, and subscribe. If you want to learn more about Word First and how you can support the ministry spiritually and financially, check us out at wordfirst.us. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Word First Radio, and we'll see you again next week. God bless.